You still you still write or no? Not actively. Now nah, every now and then I'll catch a spot, or if we're out painting or whatever, and somebody's doing something, I might pick up a can and do something. But I'm not active like I used to be. You getting the graph first, or like or the, or the, or the rhyming first? It was graph first. That was probably the most. Uh, it was the most accessible. Just being out there, like to get on a mic out here, was different. Like oh. uh, you know, dudes are freestyling shit like that, but. There wasn't a lot of, uh, especially when you were younger, there wasn't a lot of spots you could just kind of show up to and get busy. Uh, parks and shit like that, high school, whatever. But the graph shit was all day, every day. So you were able to just jump on a bus, go paint, you know, jump in somebody's car, go paint, hit the streets, go paint. So that was uh, that was the introduction right there. What's the craziest graph story you got? Uh, shit, the craziest? Well, shit, one of the ones that I always talk about because I hit this freeway like every day. Uh, I was painting on one side of it and uh, I didn't have a spotter. I didn't have anybody to to keep an eye out. So I was getting up and uh, shit, I seen him out the corner of my eye and I threw the cans and I ran. But I had a, I had to run across the five freeway and it was right there. Like uh, it's kind of by uh I mean, cats will know where it is if, if I tell them it's by, uh, it's by uh, Carmela's. It's a, it's a neighborhood that's over there in Norwalk, which is uh, where I spent a lot of time, where I grew up and shit. And, uh, yeah, I had to run across the whole freeway dodging cars like in the movies and shit. And, uh, yeah, that's probably one of the ones where I was like, yeah, this is, this is serious shit, you know? Uh, you, you, do you ever get, like, um, caught by the police for that shit? Because I had the worst luck with that. Oh, uh, yeah, a couple, yeah. I think the, the first the first experience I had with that, which is kind of what pushed me in the direction of taking the rhyming serious, was uh, I was in high school and uh, I had borrowed a black book, and in the black book uh, it had a bunch it had everybody's names in it, and um, the teacher had it in for me, so um, I put it underneath in that little metal thing at the bottom of the seat, and uh, I wasn't really like I wasn't gonna mob in it in class. But I guess he's seen it for he went around did his rounds and seen it from behind and grabbed it. And uh shit, they try to get me for every name in that book. So they were saying, like, yeah, so they try to hit me for all the all the damage, like every name that was in there. And they're like, yo, just let us know who's who. And I'm like, yo, go fuck yourself. So from then on, they kind of already knew my name. So they just kept an eye out and they hit me with like I kept getting busted for, for my name, so I kept changing my name. But by that time, the cops already knew my face and shit like that. So it was pretty much a wrap. But that's when I started evolving into to doing the the rhyming shit a little more serious, you know? Right, 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 right. If, if you guys got questions for pause, put them in the use the questions feature uh, right below, right there. Pause one in the building. So, yo, like, you started getting into the rhyming shit. Now, like, I always, you know, it's always interesting talking to cats from the West Coast that don't have the, I guess, a typical G-Funk style or whatever, if you will. But, like, so what was their early, your early shit growing up? Like, early, early influences. Like, we're like, we were like, yo, this shit's, this shit is dope. Like, like, in, in terms of, like, lyrics, ly lyrical shit. Yeah, see, like, Ice Cube would probably be, Ice Cube and Scarface would probably be the closest, uh, close, and MC Ren, shit like that, like, where it was actually, uh, 
the content, you know, the, the, the bars, like the, not to say, you know, because Cuban Ren wrote easy shit or whatever, but anyway, those two, but LL shit like that was, was, was still prevalent. You know, people were still, you know, it was out there. You could hear it. And, um, you know, you're younger, so you don't really know the, the you just, it's either good or it's not. Right. right, right, right. Um, and then you know, some of the shit they rap about, it's visual, you know, so you're able to identify with the uh, stuff that you see around you. And I realized, like, it didn't really matter, you know, as long as it was hood shit, it was kind of the same. There was some stuff that I didn't get as a kid. I got older and I got to see it and traveling, going to the East Coast and seeing certain shit. But I would say one of the big introductions for me was like uh, was Nas uh wu-tang shit like that like uh az oc um a lot of those dudes that's what i was really uh able to really focus in and like digest a lot of the lyricism and shit like that and um i gravitated towards that more than anything because they were saying drug dealer shit but in a in a way more clever way and um i like to read it and you know i like to write at the time, I was writing stories and shit like that, just trying to stay busy because growing up in the house, like, you know, it was a lot of abuse. My pops was, was alcoholic. You know, my mom's was on drugs. So there was a lot of fighting and shit like that. And uh, you kind of you create a little bubble. You create a little world. So I was writing at the time. So that kind of pulled me in hearing certain words, four or five syllable words that meant something. So they could say less. They could say more with less words. And uh, shit, from then on, like, even when I started freestyling, I try to incorporate a lot of that. Um, and just, you know, going to different, uh, spots, different parties. And, you know, I was writing, but I was rhyming. So I would be the one representing the crew on the mic and you know, battling people at house parties, whatever functions. And then, uh, from there, just being known as, you know, like a, a double threat or whatever, but yeah, it was definitely those cats, you know, and then, uh, of course the hieroglyphics, uh, Tash, alcoholics, Razkaz, that was a big, big one. Uh, you know, dudes like that. Right, right. And so, like, when did you start taking it serious? Where you're like, yo, I really want to fucking, like, make records and, and get into, like, the whole, you know, because a lot of cats start out just rhyming and it's like, okay. And that's what I did. I kind of stopped at a certain point. I was fucking around with my friends and it was like, all right, you know what I'm saying? But then it was like, take it to another level. I think in the beginning, it was just, it was more, uh, it was more expression, you know, like I said, representing the crew, shouting out the homies in there, kind of battle rapping or whatever. Uh, but I had a ton of shit that I had wrote that wasn't necessarily rhymes, but it did rhyme. And um, I had one of my homies who was a better, uh, better MC or whatever, uh, better rapper. He was saying like, yo, this, these are basically songs right here. You just got to format them. So, you know, I get the tapes and the instrumental side, flip it, try to rhyme over it, a little bullshit microphone, listen back. Uh, picked it up, put it down a couple times. But as I got in trouble more, I kept going, you know, to juvenile hall and shit like that, getting in and out. So you got a bunch of time to think. So being in there, I was writing more, kind of honing the skills, ran into a ton of fucking young, active gang members that were in there for a bunch of wild shit. And they rap. So they were kind of giving me pointers. Um, and I was like, you know what? I, I want to make songs like I don't want to just rap about the crew and how dope I am and shit like that, because um, that comes real easy. I want to tell stories. I, I want to do the Slick Rick shit. I want to do the Cube shit. So I started uh, kind of molding it into that. But I also knew from day one, if this was something that I was going to do, I had to learn at least some of the ins and outs. And there was really no OG to take me under his wing at the time. So I would just 
every scrap of paper that had anything to do with hip hop, if it was uh, you know, Double XL, The Source, uh, Murder Dog, uh, any Blaze vibe, any rap magazine, any fucking music magazine, because I wanted to learn about the ins and outs of the industry. So I wanted to learn how Cash Money got a hundred million dollars from Universal. I wanted to learn these things, uh, how Tech Nine became, you know, Tech Nine, and. Um, kind of putting myself through school in a sense, and then uh, eventually running into some OGs that did sprinkle me with a little bit of game, mostly in jail. <laughs> but uh, it was around, I'm going to say about 18, 19 years old when I was like, yo, I'm really going to do this. Right. How old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? It's confidential. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> Fucker. I'll find out. I'll find out. I got my sources. Uh, yeah. Yo. So nah, I'm I'm right now, right now I just turned right now, thirty-eight. Right now. <laughs> so that's today, motherfucker. Like right now, this moment, at the, right, right now, now. At so tomorrow, nah, I'm, I, yeah, I'm thirty-eight. Tomorrow, if I ask you, then what, motherfucker? It might change. Fuck you, man. It might go down another twenty-six. See? Fuck out of here. See the homie knows my. All right, so you're knows 26. Check, let's go there, yo, because you were telling me you were saying he was locked up. I heard you met you met Rascast in jail. That's when you that's when you met Rascast. Yeah, so uh going back to what I was saying before, there was a time when uh I was uh listening to you know, listening to Ras assassination, trying to learn all the words to nature of the threat, trying to recite it and shit like that. And um Shit, I ended up I ended up locked up and uh, looking out the little bullshit window into the yard. I got to see because I, I, I knew his face. He was in fucking magazines and everything. Uh, so I was like, yo, that's fucking I knew who that was. But you can't tell these, you know, validated gang members blasted up head to toe who that is. Cause they don't really fucking know. So I had to tell my celly like, yo, that dude right there raps with Dr. Dre. So right away, he's like, yo, what? Like, and I'm like, yeah, he's. He fucks with like, you know, these Mac 10, these people. And he's like, oh, that, that little dude right there. And uh, luckily I was on the yard with another friend of mine that was in my graph crew, one of the homies dids. And um, so I told him when I seen him on the yard, I was like, yo, that's right. He knew who Raz was, but he had gone from doing graffiti to full blown, full fledged gang members. So, and it, it's a racial thing out here. It's really, really big. We'll get into, we'll so get into that in a crossing, minute, man. I really want to talk about that soon. So keep that, yeah, we hold that thought. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so so I pretty much uh, I told him like yo, you know, I gotta at least say what's up. So I approached him, said what up, told him that I rhymed or whatever. But it wasn't like yo, please listen to my demo. Uh, let me fucking audition yeah. for you because we're in prison. And, but it was just more or less like yo, it's good to meet you. If I don't see you, you know, you know whatever. So we ended up in the same building a couple months later, and uh, from there, like you know, finally got a chance to talk to him, and I. I didn't approach him with the, yo, can you introduce me to so-and-so? It was more like, yo, how do I get a publicist? Like starting from scratch, like I, wh how do I get a publicist? Uh, things like that. Uh, and it wasn't to necessarily impress him, but it was more like, yo, I really want to fucking know because that's the next step. Um, so I started asking a lot of questions like that. And I think he saw the direction that I was coming from without hearing me really rhyme. I, I did kick a couple bars for him prior to that, but... I think that was it, it was definitely it was dope, but it was weird at the same time. It was like uh I, I don't know how to explain it, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So yo, yeah, like you being locked up and shit, I mean, to me that's always some crazy shit. So how did you come out of that like 
and and have your head on straight. I didn't know that about you until I tried to do the knowledge on the interview or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So how did you come out and 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 not really get back into whatever you got you in there in the first place? So I think like the first thing is uh, I don't really I don't really push and promote that. That's you know where I spend a lot of time because I feel like people expect you to uh, to touch on those topics fairly often it becomes cliche it becomes you know stereotypical so it's tucked in there so like there's dudes that you know been in and out and, and they could tell by the lingo and the words that i use that i know what i'm saying and i've you know been certain places or whatever and again it's like like i say like for kids it's like that shit you know motherfuckers make it sound cool but it's really not cool you know it's not it's not as advertised trust yeah. me but so that's why i try not to promote it you know but but it's it's part of my life experience, so I definitely touch on it. But going back to the whole mind state as a, as a kid, I was like, shit, if I'm gonna rap, and I'm locked up, I might as and I'm locked up with one of the greatest rappers of all time. Like, shit, I might as well become very studious. So again, anything I could get my hands on, and I had people mailing me stuff. By this time, I had a uh, I had a little buzz from doing battle rap shit and things like that. So people were writing me letters. Uh, people were sending me stuff, you know, keeping me motivated and inspired. So when I got out, plus I had access to books, a ton of shit. So when I got out, I just kind of, I hit the ground running, uh, shout out to the homies from Israel records. It's disbanded, but that's still the family. So from there, we put out one mixtape then another, I started doing shows. I set up my own tour. Um, you know, I, I didn't really wait for a lot of people to do much for me. I figured, fuck it. I'm gonna do it myself because I saw the shift with the internet. Where a lot of stuff was going back to being in. Around what year? Was, so, around what year was this? Around what year this time frame was? That was like 2000, uh, 2000, 2010, 11. Okay. Okay. So, so you got out and basically just hit the ground running, like make with the music shit. Yeah. The music. Group. Yeah. So. And since then, I mean, it's been it's been pretty uh pretty consistent. You know, there's been uh there's been some plateaus. You know, like uh going overseas for the first time you know, uh, rocking in front of a couple thousand people, uh, showing up, people already know the words to your songs and they barely speak English. You know, those are the things you dream about. Like I said, going back to that kid in juvenile hall, those are, those are some of the things that were, you know, that I, that I wanted to achieve. And I, and I did, and I got to see a lot of places that I only heard or seen and, you know, heard about or seen in pictures. And, uh, it was eye opening like shit. So I got to get back to work. I can't, get lost in it and be like, yeah, I'm on, you know, it's more like, all right, how can I evolve? How can I get better? Right, right. And um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of been what it, what it is. But, you know, my boy rec one, rest in peace. Uh, you know, it just life left and right, you know, blindsides you. And, and it's really hard to, uh, it's really hard to be consistent, you know, with, with a lot of that stuff. So a lot of, you know, deaths, a lot of shit going on, fighting for custody of my kid and, I mean, I can go on and on, but it's, you know, it's not about the sad story. It's just, it's just hard being consistent. And, you know, I've, I've tried to keep my hands up and, and stay in motion. Word. I mean, every because Joe, especially now, like you said, we're going to, you know, everybody's feeling it right now, man. Nobody, you know, like everybody's getting their ass handed to them, you know? So it's like, I, I try to tell people like, yo, let's just try to be compassionate, man, because, you know, everybody getting fucked up right now. Like, people keep smiling or whatever, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, deep down, every everybody got scars, man. I know the average person has a lot of scars right now going through this shit, you know what I'm saying? Uh, quick thing, you got, if you got any questions for pause, 
Use the, uh, use the questions feature down below. It's right there, and that way I can show them to everybody. So use the questions feature um, to ask any questions if you have them. Um, so yeah, so that's the one thing I did notice about your music, man, is that like, that it's not a lot of, it's, there's, there's a lot of story, there's, there's stories behind it. There's, there's meaning behind it. There's, and that's the one thing that I, I, I noticed with like just about every song. And one song that stood out to me, um, I think it's on your most recent joint, Fake Love. And uh, yeah. talk about that a little bit, man, because that shit resonated with me. It resonates with a post I did today and everything. So talk about that a little bit. Just in general, you know. So, so that uh, that song, I actually had lines written. Like I wrote some of those lines while I was locked up, so they're they're older. But it, as I was living it, I kind of uh, I kind of just carved out a few things that I was feeling, and I was trying not to do uh. I guess like a typical jail song or whatever. So I only wrote a couple lines that I felt were relevant and then I saved them. And then I came across that beat. It was one of those things where like, uh, I say, I saved those pieces for the right puzzle. And then when I got that beat, I felt like it fit. And then I built the rest around it. And, um, I didn't want to make it too much about me. I, I, I'd like, I'd like to keep it a little open-ended so people can put themselves in that, in that position. If, you know, if they've been in that spot before. So it was, it was more or less a song like that. Um, so I just, you know, there's a lot of those that I could write, but I try to make them, uh, for everybody. So it's not just, you know, I did this and I was here and, and me this and, because I don't, I don't feel like those songs have too much longevity. Mm. Um, I, I want, I want these songs to belong to the people where they're like, "Yo, I, I can relate to that," or "I know exactly what he's saying right, right. here," and uh, somebody else hears it. Uh, I feel like that's the power of the, of the music. You know what right. I mean? Let's talk about that shit, though. I mean, the whole aspect in general of, of, of that sort, like, like fake love, like, because to me, most of your songs that I've heard from you. I'm like, yo, this nigga been through some shit, man. You know what I'm saying? And and, and it resonates with me because I've been through some shit. And everybody else on the fucking place. So it's like, you know, so I, it hit home. Like, like for me, well, I'll tell you what I, I got from that shit. I was like, yo, like, I mean, the whole thing, fake love in itself was like, I've had so many people like backstab me and shit. It's like, sometimes it's hard to move, move on. So man, maybe you could talk about that because I, you know, like I said, your music shows that you've been through a whole bunch of fucking shit, you know? Like, I don't have to listen to every joint to know that. Yeah, and you know, that's that's where I, that's where I, I you know, I let it out, you know what I mean? That's kind of like, uh, I try not to carry it around with me everywhere because when I express myself in that way, I end up locked up, you know what I mean? Because you, somebody cuts you off in traffic, shit like right. that, and you know, you explode that from my shit. So I'm blessed to be able to to write this shit out, record it, and and it's even more of a blessing to have people like yourself that can hear it and and be like, yo, I I, I identify with that shit. I, I know exactly what that feels like or what that looks like, you know. And um and and it also motivates me to keep going. Like, okay, these these are the songs and the topics that people are gravitating towards. So let me let me let me touch on that a little bit more. Let me let me show the opposite side where people do take care of you when you're locked up. Or people do got your back, you know, they show up to the hospital, uh, they look out for your mom, shit like that. I, I always try to, you know, hit all, all angles of it, because really, I just want to document 
the human experience as a whole. I, I know some rappers got a character and they stare in character a lot. And 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 I'm I'm entertained by that. I like that shit, to be honest. There's some there's some dudes, I know they're not out selling mad drugs and shooting mad people, but you know, I, I like the music production, maybe the choruses, you know, the wordplay, whatever. But I guess for me personally, I kind of just want it to be as like a war a war journal. Just my document me being here and what I've seen and shit. Yo, listen to this, man. I was interviewing Billy Dance from MOP. And we were talking about that shit. Like, because he's older now. And I was like, yo, like, I was scared to interview you, fam. Like, I thought you were going to, like, butt me or some shit. And it was like, and we were joking. And he was like, yo, I killed 10 niggas on every song now. He goes, he goes, Annie up, put the kids through school. He was like, he, me, you know, Billy Dance, yeah. Billy Dance is a real one. But he was like, he goes, I don't do that now. He's like, but he goes, he goes, he goes, I'm, he lives out in the fucking birds and shit. You know what I'm saying? But he's like, but he's like, I keep goes, I kill 10 niggas on every every album. So I understand what you're saying, but I, I there's a place for all of that. And I appreciate the fact that you, for you, it's, if your heart, if your heart's in it, man, in terms of like, like what, what, please use the questions feature for questions. Uh, we got a couple here. Um, yeah, your heart is in your music, and you're sharing some stories. So it's it's different things for everybody, but it's you know there's there's um there's a lot to be said for for sharing you. So I, I appreciate that that it comes through in your music. Let me check the questions and see. Uh, oh, let's see. We'll throw this one out here. Top five ra ra uh. random, but let's go. I'm gonna say Black Dot, Eminem, uh, Pharaoh Monch. Uh, Based on what? Yeah, exactly. Cool G Rap, uh, Ice Cube. Rap. I mean, I can keep going down the list. Razkaz. Uh, but yeah, that, that's at least six. I can keep going. Keep going. I want to hear who you fucking with, yo. Those, those are all uh, OC. AZ, uh, Raekwon. Who you got? Uh, who you got between? Cause you brought up Scarface and um, Ice Cube. Who you got between those two? I'm gonna say just sheer like sheer catalog and shit like that. Uh, I'm gonna say Cube. I know he's done a bunch of movies. It's kind of weird. It balances itself out where Face has been a little more reclusive and kind of um, you know not done as much publicly. So, but Cube has like a consistency, even though he's doing movies and like, you know, shit is corny every now and then. But I, I feel like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Cube, but but I love Scarface, though. So. Yeah, you know, Scarface, no no doubt. I think Scarface, I mean, he's my favorite dude from the, from, the, from the South. And I have Cube in my top 10. I think those first three albums from Cube are ridiculous, like on all levels. I mean, Jacket for Beats is fucking brilliant. And I think... I also think, and and obviously him writing for writing all the easy shit. I mean, so he basically wrote half of N.W. It's basically him and Rent. Yo, as far as yeah, that shit goes. Exactly. Yeah. So, in a sense, it's almost like yeah, he was uh he was two out of the four Fantastic Four basically. Like he was doing double duty. So Cube Cube was always like even his delivery. Like uh, the homie asked the question. Shout out to homie uh, Isaac. Uh, Asimov, he was saying, you know, his question was, why are LA cats so salty? And I mean, just to kind of, you know, in a nutshell, I feel like there's a couple reasons, but one of them is because it's the entertainment capital of the world, there's a lot of people that aren't from here to come here. And 
they have this uh, this uh, air of just douchebag shit, kind of like fake it till you make it. And then it, it rubs off on the natives out here where they feel like they got to keep up with people that aren't even from here. They came out here to blow up. Um, another part of it is the illusion of competition where you kind of feel like this group or this MC is uh, your competition when in reality, they're just here to fuck bitches and smoke weed and you're trying to make records. You're trying to, you know, set a standard and, and have merch and tour. And they're really just kind of trying to be in the studio and make cameos and videos and shit like that. So there's the illusion of competition. I feel like that is real prevalent in, in Los Angeles. And um, I mean, it's like that in every, every major city. But uh, being from here, you know, obviously I'm exposed to it on a daily. So that's why I fell back a little bit more and, and I'm not as involved as I used to be. Because uh, must have, oh, must have, uh, you know what? It's always been chaotic. So shit, sometimes I show up and like, really, it's just, I can't even say, uh, it's, it's hard to nail that one down. Paper, because I still write on paper. So a must-have is a pen and paper, because I don't really, uh, I don't do this shit on my phone. Like, I mean, I do every so often when I have to, but pen and paper for sure. Pen and paper. That's, that's critical, because you should always carry, uh, some questions are we're not getting to. <laughs> Yo, the homie said, will I be back to battle rap? You know what? They're the ones that actually, when I got out of jail, they showed me how it 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 made the transition into uh, being more Shakespearean, I would say, where it was less musical. So I kind of, um, I don't know, I, I I got a distaste for it because I felt like to be considered a dope battle rapper, you had to encompass all of those things, the flow, delivery, style, punchlines, metaphors. Like I felt like that was the ultimate test. So the way it looks now, not really, because I don't want to spend three months, even though the prize is 10K, I still don't want to lose three months. And you know what I mean? I don't know. It just kind of feels a lot like wrestling to me. I just, you know, I don't know. I, I, don't know. I agree with you. It's a lot different than when I came up. I mean, you know, cats research their opponents and shit and, and, and do shit like that. So I, I, I don't know. It's, that's not really, that's not really the real, I, I fuck with. Um, let's go here. Top five producers. Uh, shit. I mean, Primo's on the list. Uh, DJ Quick. DJ Quick's one that's super underrated. Uh, Pete Rock. Uh, High Tech. Easy Moby. Um, shit. That's that's five right there. High High Tech. Yo, can we talk about how? I mean, High Tech's really underrated too, but. As far as I'm concerned, Easy Mo B is like supremely slept on. As far as the producer, yeah, goes. exactly. I mean, like, like, ain't nobody. Ain't, yo, he said he made flavor in your ear in his drawers, my nigga. Like, he got up. He said he got up in the morning <laughs> and made flavor in your ear in his drawers. Like, before the weedies, before the weed. He probably even oh. brush his teeth, son. Like, like. So the Easy Mo B, he, yo, he did the, uh, one of my favorite joints. Um, Buster Rhymes, Everything Remains Raw. That's one of my joints too. So Easy Mo B is a killer. The R and B shit, yeah. certified. Yeah, he looks like a Vander Holyfield, if, then, if I'm not mistaken. Yo, and he kind of looks like him too, low key. I thought I mean, like, yo, he's Easy Mo Holyfield, like my god. Yeah. 
So, yo, the other day, not the other day, it was really last week when we did the promo for this. I tagged you in it, and you reposted it, and you said, um, I'm not into this rap shit anymore. I mean, I'm like, so what were you mean by that? I mean, actually, I think at the time, we were... you were saying, you said, I'm not, I should look at the post, because that was me paraphrasing. Yeah. I said, I'm not into this. It was more or less like, I haven't really been into yeah, it um, lately. Just, you know, like, e even as, sometimes as a fan, you know, that's I think that's the easiest one for me to unplug is just as a fan because uh, there's a, I mean, there's an abundance of shit coming out all the time. So it's hard to keep up with, with every release, every single, every video. Um, and then on top of that, life shit. And then, and then your own music shit. So after a while, you just kind of like, you distance yourself from just all of it as a whole. And then... Once you unplug for a bit, you try to get back into it, at least for myself, it's hard to just dive back in and then and run, you know, 100 miles an hour like you were. So uh, plus, I don't want to do anything half hearted. So I don't want to step in the studio and, and, and sit down and work on something and I don't put my all into it. So when I say some shit like that, it's really the homie just died. You know what I mean? And, and I'm, I got to talk to his mom and, you know, there's this and there's that. There's, there's a lot of shit. And um uh, Really, fuck rap. You know, sometimes it's like, yo, fuck, I'm not, I gotta be dad. I gotta be dad right now. Fuck rap. You know what I mean? I, you know, I gotta deal with shit for, for my kid, you know, uh, getting his social security number because his mom don't wanna uh, take care of that. She don't wanna, it's just a lot of personal shit to where you're like, yo, I could, that can wait. You know what I mean? Yeah, man, you gotta live, your, live, live life. And that's the one thing that I've really come to understand. Like, it's like, there's the entertainment shit, but then there's like, yo, the life shit has to has to always come first, man. I mean, so no, no doubt, I, I totally totally makes sense, man. Let's get into your man, Rec. Rest in peace, Rec. One, you know, you've been doing a lot of, um, you know, a lot of respects to him and stuff. So let's let's chop it up about him, man. Like like, what is he? What does he mean for the LA LA underground? Because because you know I'm from the East Coast, I, I had heard of your man, but I don't, I'm not familiar. So like it's important for us, it's important for everybody not to be so yes. localized and shit. So what's good? Yeah, even even dudes on tour like he was uh Sadat and El Sensei. Uh, you know, th there's a there's a lot of people like so he he started off uh, doing graph, uh, and then from there he started doing the street team work where he was out, uh, you know, doing uh, slapping up stickers, handing out flyers and shit like that. Um, and he kind of transitioned and, and moved on to doing his own. Uh, they started doing shows and he became a bigger part of that, that aspect. And I think he saw the ins and outs of it, but he didn't really like the business end or I'm not sure what exactly it was. Um, and he just kind of, he kind of saw an opportunity to do it his way. So he he stepped aside and kind of created his own name uh, and his own identity and started running with that. And uh, it was called the Unity Project. And the whole idea was basically just to unify, you know, the Orange County, L.A., Riverside, you know, all, all over, basically. It didn't even fucking matter where you were from. But that was his whole goal. Um, so he ended up he started booking shows, his own shows. And at first, you know, he was getting hated on by a lot of people because he had a lot of competition. And, you know, it's a, it's a new dude selling on the block, so they weren't too happy about that. 
but also the name was familiar to a legendary uh, event called Unity. So that was another thing. And then his old crew. So I really admired the fact that he came out and pushed through all of that. You know, he, he, he decided to just keep it going like fucking. Right. So he, he took on anybody and everybody that opposed what he did, big or small, you know, if they had legend status or whatever, he had no problem telling people to go fuck themselves. And I really respected that. And uh, I like the way he handled business too. Like we, you know, same sense of humor and shit like that. But I approached him and I was like, yo, uh, you know, how would you feel about being a tour manager? Um, you know, cause he had never really left California. I think he, he might've been in Mexico or something, but uh, I asked him if he wanted to go on tour with me. And at the time, I think the first tour I had to manage was, was for two months. <laughs> and uh, so he went from like, never really leaving, leaving that, the area to being gone for like a month and some change and seeing, you know, Oklahoma and Kansas and all these places. And, um, but he was, he was about his fucking business and uh, just a solid dude, you know, solid dude, good father. Um, as far as his contribution to hip hop, I think he, he carved out a space for a lot of cats in the area who weren't uh, getting a, a shot to really perform and not just rappers. Like he was putting on DJs, he was putting on live beat showcases, things like that. So he created a little a little hub for everybody to kind of show up, meet each other, uh, exchange info, polish their craft, and you know it 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 left a big it left a big hole you know in a lot of ways. So I don't really think uh, I don't really think anybody's going to be able to do what he did. You know. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing, man. I really really appreciate that. Rest in peace, Rep One, for real, man. Like I I and and like. You you've you've definitely done your job and continue to do your job to, to keep his legacy alive, man, because it's I I, I I did the knowledge. I was like, all right, you know what I'm saying? I, I got heard the name, but you know what I'm saying, like through your post and stuff, I was like, yo, look was was good. So it was it was it, it was it's important, man. So I appreciate you sharing that because like for me, there's other shit going on in other areas and just like fucking the greater New York City area or whatever. So it's like, I, I you know, it's important that other people know contributions from, from other areas. That being said, um, yo, what the fuck is up in, in like, explain the LA hip hop scene to, to, to me. I need to understand like just in general, like, because I hear, I see different vibes, I see different, Shit, and I, I I used to live in LA, but I wasn't there when hip hop was popping off. So I, I visited a few times. I got family out there. I go out there sometimes, but like, just what's 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 the vibe like out there? I think, uh, well, f for starters, I mean, it's kind of like this. There, there was, there was the fertile scene when things were green, and it was a little more lush for hip hop. Where you know, there was a lot more shit going on, a lot more shows. Uh, a lot of dope acts were out. Like you had to be dope to really uh, to do shit. Right. So it was kind of that was, and then and then when the pay to play stuff kind of infiltrated and dug in out here, you saw the shift. Uh, and I'll get into that in a minute. But uh, but basically, uh, it was it was then and now. But also, you got to remember, there's two tiers out here. So there's the hip hop which is whatever fucking wave is going on right now, whoever is sounding like the top motherfucker, uh, that, there's that shit, the Hollywood entertainment, whatever. Uh, and then there's the underground. Uh, and, and when I say underground, I don't necessarily mean boom bap. 
It could be uh it could be it could be trap, it could be trap-ish, it could be boom trap, whatever the fuck, but it's just independent people rhyming about real shit, reality. Um, so there's that, and then there's the the upper crust of fucking bullshit. Um, and then you have back then how it was, and you have now. And unfortunately, you know, some people only see that top tier of colorful hair shit like that, tight pants, whatever, uh, and then also the pay-to-play shows. So you combine those two, and it just creates this, uh, I don't even know what the fucking right word is, but you still got freedom fighters like myself hunkered down somewhere, you know, uh, that are still representing underground shit, whether it's boom, bap, trap, whatever fucking production they use, but we're still rhyming about reality, and we're still you know, innovating and doing shit that they steal from anyway. So it's kind of like that. But as a scene, in terms of uh, going to a show, I suggest you get there like 11 o'clock, unless you want to sit through like 45 opening acts you never heard of. Uh, you're not going to get any DJs. The DJs ain't going to play more than half a song. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like that. Wait, wait, wait. So, so I've heard of the pay-to-play shit. I, I, it's creep. It's kind of out here in some areas and shit like that. And, and I don't know how. So that's like the, that is the model out there. That, that's, that's yeah. The so they created this. Uh, yeah. So they created this. Uh, it, the biz, it, it became you know essentially the business model for everybody that's that's throwing shows. And that was a crew out here that they were the first ones to bring out like Ill Bill, Sean P and things like that. And those cats, like those shows, that's where you wanted to be. You know, they, they were like real genuine hip hop shows. And, it, it, you know, they would never take money to put somebody on. And eventually it turned into uh, they, they were basically the last ones to kind of convert to that. And they're like, fuck, just to kind of keep up to keep the lights on. We got to do a little bit of that. And that's when I kind of saw, and there was nothing against them because they, they were the last stronghold. They were like, yo, man, like, that's just the way shit is now on a business level. And, um, you know, for a time, I was angry. I was salty. I was whatever the fuck you want to call it. But I was also very vocal. And if you approached me in person, I'd say the same fucking thing to your face about a lot of the scene, the corny DJs, the corny promoters, the corny rappers. I had no... Problem with that. Basically, I put on the cape and try to save hip hop and it backfired. People thought it was cute. Some people agree with me. But in the end, I made a lot of silent, uh, passive aggressive enemies. And then that's when I built my fucking rocket ship and got the fuck out of L.A. And that's when I started hitting Europe, going to the East Coast, you know, traveling, doing tours, because I realized that those dudes that I offended have the most power. They, they are the vanguard. They are the the infrastructure, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I pissed a lot of them off because I wasn't afraid to, to say they weren't shit. You know, when you got a rave promoter who decides to dip into hip hop because he sees a little bit of money over there, you know, that kind of shit, you know? Right, right, right. But, but, but again, see, here I go on the tirade. I don't really fuck with it no more. I'm, I'm selective. I pick and choose my fights now. It makes sense, Joe. You know what I'm saying? And as far as the Europe shit goes, I mean, Europe, 
right now is like 1994. So for an artist, any artist worth his salt or her salt that understands the game right now, it's in your best interest to get the fuck across the ocean because they, if they fuck with you, they fuck with you for life. Like, fuck with you. Yeah, happy. exactly. So, I know you feeling the love in Europe and you got fans for life over there to probably, you go there to tour, they pull out all, they, all your shit. Like shit you ain't never you made before. Exactly. And you know what? That's uh that was another thing that I realized like I think I think I wanted uh I wanted to be embraced and accepted and loved by here where I'm from. But I realized that that was never really going to happen because a lot of the people that were I guess the ones like making the moves or, or whatever the fuck people with any type of clout or power would never really give me that look. They'd never really give me that salute because I wasn't from the same graph crew. I wasn't from the same side of town. I might have fucked one of their bitches. I might have socked up one of their homies. There might have been something like that where secretly they would never, ever give me that push, give me that look. So, And instead of being bitter, and I was for a period of time, I took that energy and I kind of you know, morphed it into doing uh, tours where I was like, yo, I'm out. And again, it, you know, just moving around the country, uh, you know, going to fucking Nebraska, you know, being able to rap in places, you know, I never thought I'd end up and having people show up. And like I said, know your songs and buy merch and support. So I started realizing, like, I love where I'm from, but they don't the love ain't going to come back. And, you know, it is what it is. You know what Yo, I'm saying? For real, son, like, you know, you make a good point, man. So your example that you just shared shows I mean, LA is like one of the three or four largest cities in the country. And it shows that even within a major metropolitan, because the same shit's like that in Philly, it's like the shit still shrinks. Like the world is still small. And it's like, yo, you're dealing with petty ass bullshit that's like small town corny shit yeah. in LA. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like that shit, but it's like, it's the same shit that is, that's going on over the place. So it's just, it's corny that's everywhere. So you bounce and it, and it makes sense. Yo, before we. Yeah, so I, I I learned that too. I learned that too, going to different scenes where I would see characters that I could identify here in LA, but there's their version in Colorado or there's their version in Washington or wherever the fuck. So I was like, oh, okay, these are the base. There's a certain uh, type, you know what I mean? And, and these guys end up filling in that type in every little scene where it was like, yo, this dude is a man out here because he did a song with so and so 12 years ago and he's still the man out here. And it's like, mm, it's because of the way he carries himself or whatever, but there's no real catalog, no consistency. There's no freshness, no nothing. But again, it's not to hate on anybody. Like, I try to just breeze past nah, it and just... Nah, of course. I mean, it know? makes sense, yo. Corny shit is everywhere, yo. We got a few minutes, and I want to get into a couple of topics. I don't know if you could go longer or not, if we get cut with... But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so, whatever. so we might have to... I owe you, bro. I owe you. What happened? <laughs> What'd you say? I said I owe you because last time, right. last time I didn't realize it was six... I didn't, I, I didn't realize it was 6 p.m. my time. Yeah. So I was at the fucking drive-in, at, at, at the drive-thru and uh, in and out Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit, I had to get out the car, run and find a spot. But anyway, yeah, like, we'll go as long as you want, bro. You were the curb like, a, like yeah. you were preparing and shit, looking like. <laughs> so there's a dope, there was a dope fiend like 20 yeah, yards I, away I, digging yo, through the track. I was like, yo, come on, man. This nigga, I was like, this nigga in the hood <laughs> about to get fucking raised it up, buck 50, this shit. Don't be on me. You know what I'm saying? Yo, we about, let's, fuck it. Yo, let's, let's run it back because I got a few more things I want to get into. Instagram gives us the fucking hour limit. 
So the running back pause. Give me like two minutes. Uh, running back. Don't change no settings, son. Like your settings is good. <laughs> like so, um, we're gonna come back in like two minutes. All right, Joe.